0: Welcome back to Sustainability Warriors.
1: We have some two guests today. This is the first time we've ever had two guests. Would mm-hmm. you guys like to introduce yourselves?
2: My name is Micah Keel. <laughs> Do you need more than that? Yeah.
0: I like your title, Ambrose.
2: I'm a professor in the theology department. I've mm-hmm. okay. been here since 2007.
0: Oh,
1: wow. Nice.
3: And I'm Matthew Coomber. I'm also a professor here in the theology department, and I've been here since 2011.
0: Nice, nice,
1: very fun. So this is exciting, though we've never had two guests before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it'll be a fun dynamic. I'm sure I mean. How it would work? Yeah, That'll yeah. Be the
2: last time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Biblical scholarship and <in> stereo.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh. Um,
3: um,
0: so we'll start with some fun questions for you guys. So our first question is: What is your favorite bathroom on campus?
2: I think we might have the same answer. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh the the one outside the the chapel is usually
0: oh oh usually
2: my my go-to yeah that one's
0: nice good
3: lighting airy atmosphere
0: hmm, it's a good go. place
3: my favorite bathroom though like of all concordia college in moorhead minnesota where i did my undergrad oh. <laughs> on the lower floor of the library there's just this it's superb it's like old plumbing. So that there's an aesthetic oh. appeal to the sinks and the toilets and everything.
1: It's... Oh. So it's more about how it looks than like comfort? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep.
3: Yep. Absolutely. Interesting. Old bathroom.
1: Hmm. Nice. I like that. Well, Our next question. We're going to save our favorite one for last. But if you guys could be in any animal, what would you be and why?
3: I'm going to be really boring. So I'll go first human <laughs> because it's just pretty darn good to be a human mm-hmm. or apex predators which i really appreciate as a clumsy person <laughs> and um we get to be aware of, to a greater degree probably of our existence oh. mm-hmm. and so i think i'd really miss that but if not that totally eagle mm.
0: that's fun yeah that's a great fly yeah
3: mm. and still the whole apex predator thing so have to worry about
2: getting it (laughs) so he just took two
0: i just
2: just wanted to point that out (laughs) i'm gonna say um some kind of fish
0: oh i like that
2: a fish that maybe just gets to hang out in a coral reef
0: oh Um,
2: i just think that'd be a nice place to live
0: that would be Mm. what color would you be Mm.
2: probably pretty boring color (laughs)
0: What's a boring color for a fish, though?
2: I don't know. I mean, like a cod is just sort of a drab brown. Yeah. <laughs> is, is
3: this because you like boring colors, or are no, you I are just about a reflection of your
2: personality? Yeah, I'm just <laughs> thinking, I don't know. <laughs> what what would best reflect my personality? I don't know. Yeah. Oh. He's not boring.
1: Yeah. A cod living in the coral reef, the Great Barrier Reef. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they, they'd
2: probably kind of stand out. There you There's go. one called a parrotfish, which is kind of a blue and yellow Quite quite nice, yeah.
0: That's nice.
1: I like that. Fun answers.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So our last question, and most important question is, if you could start a cult on campus, what would it be and why?
2: I would want to start a cult to the god Artemis. And it relates to the topic of this podcast. Artemis was, I have a great article I sometimes have my students read in Greece called It's called Artemis, the god of conservation. Mm -hmm. So Artemis was a god of hunting and things like that, but also she often had uh, sacred groves and even sometimes parts of the ocean dedicated to her. You were not allowed to take animals or fish out of the parts that were uh, sacred to Artemis. And she also had this really vibrant role in the lives of the upcoming of, of women outside the city of Athens, And uh, then there's this weird thing where people would dress up in bear suits and dance around and (gasps) act like bears, called the acroteria. So anyway, it's. uh, I I think this would be a fun cult.
1: Yeah. (laughs) The most. That's like
0: a really good, the best one we've got.
2: Partly because it literally was a cult. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm just stealing it, but. uh, I'm gonna go with Artemis.
0: I like the rituals. Yeah, the bear (laughs) Bear costume.
2: I wish I had gotten first.
3: Um, okay, so if I was going to start a cult on campus, my, one of my favorite bands right now is an Australian neo-psychedelic band oh. called Black Heart Death Cult. Oh. They're amazing. <laughs> and, uh, so I guess I would start a Black Heart Death Cult, but instead of death, we'd like try out different baked goods.
1: I like oh. that. Mm, we could <laughs> use the
3: name death, but by death, we'd be referencing like pastries. <clears throat> So good music and, and good pastries.
0: Nice. Like, these are like very niche answers.
2: Like <laughs> <laughs> Look at who you invited. don't <laughs> <laughs> no invite yourselves to blame.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but next, we really want to get into the topic of today. Mm-hmm. Um, so if each of you would like to explain uh, kind of how you are related and how you've like studied um, the environment and nature and all that stuff?
3: Mine will be a shorter answer. Um, uh, this is an area uh, that, that really is much more Micah's area than mine within the realm of theology, but it's, it's something that, that is definitely of, of strong interest to me as, as a person who currently inhabits the environment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for me, what I study mostly is issues of poverty and wealth extraction, the mm-hmm. correlation between wealth and poverty, that in a world of finite resources, um, you can't have great wealth without causing great poverty. Um, too many resources get pulled one direction. They're go- they've got to be pulled from somewhere. And for me, something that's really important is what the way we treat other people in relation to our own ambitions says about us and society and certainly says about Christianity if we're simultaneously calling ourselves Christian and drawing attention to that, but looking out for number one. And I think there's a lot to be learned from how we treat the environment that can tell us about how we think of ourselves in relation to the world around us. Mm Uh, any sort of exploitation comes with the presupposition that I have the right to take. Um, and so within that, that, that plays out in two ways. It, it plays out in one way, a very economic way, because how we treat um, other people leads to environmental destruction, the burning of the rainforest and things. Why, why do people... Why are people in a position to, to feed their children they need to cut down more rainforest and and use that topsoil for a brief time and then cut down more? What? Mm-hmm. Why is that happening? Um, another reason is because uh, gl- historically marginalized and globally uh, impoverished people are the ones bearing the greatest brunt. Um, take Bangladesh, for example, mm-hmm. and the flooding there and how people who are contributing very little to environmental destruction, are reaping so much from it. But then even our cities, and look where trees are planted and not planted. Look where there's areas where people can find cool and areas where people are dying of heat stroke. It tends to be um, the poor areas of the cities or the areas of the cities where the factories have been built next to because that's where the poor people are and they don't have as much of a voice. So that at least kind of hits hits the ball from the plate Mm -hmm. (laughs) of where I'm coming from.
2: These things obviously go together. Um, some people use the phrase "environmental racism," right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about what's happening and how different parts of the Earth feel it um, in a way that's not balanced be- because of wealth, right? Yeah. And um, but also Pope Francis says that we need to always hear both the cry of the Earth and the cry of the poor. Mm-hmm. Those two things go go right together. They they really can't be. Separated in mm-hmm. you know, a in a way. Um, I got in I mean, I've always been um, spent a lot of time outdoors and been interested in the natural world. And um, but I got into this in terms of my own scholarship and research about seven or eight years ago. I was about to embark on a sabbatical, and I had been wanting to write about the Book of Revelation, but I wasn't sure what or how. But as I was reading Revelation and just was struck by how much it talks about the natural world, mm-hmm. and it uses the word earth, for example, I think 82 times, just oh, wow. more than any other book in the whole Bible. A lot of what happens to the earth in Revelation is pretty, is negative. It gets mm-hmm. burned and destroyed, eventually thrown into a lake of fire, and it never comes back. But I thought, okay, I want to try to grapple with this and write something about the book of Revelation and... The environment, and my wife thought I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> she might have been right, but um, so that led to a whole kind of. I wrote a book about it. I presented several papers at um, at conferences over the years about it, and so it's been um, a big part of what I've I've taught about it quite a bit now too. So, it's it's been something I've been working on quite a bit, and have really found to be um, a, a meaningful way to think about ways in which study of scripture ancient texts can have some kind of relevance Mm -hmm. to our world today so
0: yeah i saw it was about apocalyptic ecology is that a term that you coined yourself i I think
2: it is yeah yeah for better for worse yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's cool you don't think of the two going together right so hasn't helped book sales but
1: (laughs) (laughs) what would you define that as then
2: well, I guess that the point of it is that in the book of Revelation, there is an ecological message mm-hmm, that is positive. You have to do a little bit of work to see it, because as I said a second ago, there's the book is just replete with destruction of the whole universe. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you understand, and this connects with what Matthew was saying a minute ago, when you understand the world that book was written in, what was happening in in the context of the Roman Empire to the environment. The kinds of things the Romans were doing in terms of deforestation and animal exploitation and pollution, it the, the Roman Empire is an ecological disaster. And so my argument is essentially, if the author of that book, whom we call John, he calls himself John, take him at face value, which biblical scholars don't normally do, um, if John believes in one God and that that God is the creator and sustainer of the universe, and he sees what Rome is doing to the environment, that there's something in him that understands that as evil, as not right, as not what God intends. And he certainly was not an environmentalist by today's standards, but I think he might've had some innate sense that, um, things had gone off the rails, that were things were going against God's design. And so that, in a nutshell, is what I what I try to point out.
1: Oh, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. I've never heard about anything like I that haven't. before. Oh.
2: I think a lot of people think our environmental crisis is modern, Yeah. Right. and it's not. Mm-hmm. It's really, as soon as we became humans, um, and we have some scant evidence of this, mm-hmm. as soon as we became humans 10 12,000 years ago, we started destroying the environment. Um, as soon as we started to have a rational brain, we said, okay, I can go into that forest and hunt, or I can burn the forest down and have the animals run to me,
1: right.
2: which is easier.
1: Oh. Yeah. And so
2: um, it's our environmental problem is not a modern technological one, it's a deeply human one. Mm-hmm. And I think if we don't recognize that, we have no hope of ever finding a solution. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. I think it's important too that we talk about like how Christianity and like the environment are really related mm-hmm. and that how a lot of like scholars talk about this, but I feel like it's not always taught in church, like in small town churches. Because I grew up Catholic, like we never said anything about that. I never learned anything about like the Catholic social teachings or anything like that. And I feel like we could create a stronger environmental movement if we focused on that cuz that is really is what the church is teaching but people just don't know mm-hmm. about it.
2: Why do you think that is?
1: Why we don't teach it? I don't know. I feel like maybe like in small towns it's kind of maybe a political thing sometimes cuz that's not really like what people think Christianity is in like smaller towns, mm-hmm. especially like Catholicism. But I think that like if we could start just doing it a little bit then people would like understand Mm -hmm. that it's like everyone's problem and we need to be focusing on it and it's not it is like a religious issue it's not just like a political thing right i
3: think i think you're really hitting on something important there a lot of times when i engage similar questions with my students and 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 parishioners for that matter too i hear a lot about how well you know church is a place to go and find peace and these sorts of things. And a- absolutely it is. Mm-hmm. But if that's all that it is, then, then that gets really problematic. Mm-hmm. I, it also needs to challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise we're just in a self affirmation club Yeah. and, and um, we need to be able to push the pressure points. Uh, but that's, I mean, that's scary for a lot of clergy because numbers are dwindling as it is and you don't want to chase people away but then there's also conviction, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it's complicated. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: It is. Yeah. yeah.
1: Why
0: well, do you guys think that maybe the message isn't spread from Catholicism to the the lay people or? Yeah,
2: those those teachings have been called the church's uh, best kept secret mm-hmm. um, oh, okay. for good reason. I I, th- I think the reasons you've all said is clearly are right. I think also if part of those social teachings starts with an acknowledgement of the depth of the problems we Mm -hmm. face. And I think people just don't want to be confronted with that because then it does demand of them some type of action. Mm -hmm. And, um, that makes us uncomfortable. We don't want to have to do something drastic, Mm -hmm. you know, we just want to keep going as we've always been going and, Mm -hmm. um, particularly with so many of the issues we face in our world, it's something drastic needs to be done because the, the trajectory is not good. So, mm-hmm. And
3: one thing that makes it so difficult is that throughout history, religion tends to follow society and not the other way around. There are those glowing moments that we mm-hmm. see where society is pulled by positive stuff that, that religion is doing. But like when, when I hear people talk about, you know, doing away with the separation between church and state and that whole sort of thing. And, you know, if, if we could, I, when, when I was in um, India in college uh, for a semester, there was a, a person there who was convinced that America was such a powerful nation because it was predominantly a Christian nation. Mm-hmm. And um, we get, we, we, like, I mean, we think of God in terms of power and then we equate that with human notions of power Mm -hmm. and all of that. And if whenever getting back to the church and state thing, the the thing that scares me most is that it's not that if we, if we religiousify Mm -hmm. (laughs) our politics, um, we'll be more godly. Um, Because at the end of the day, um, I'm not just talking about the US but in general, uh, states have the law enforcement, states have the military, um, religious groups have clergy and, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the more worldly powerful tends to pull sway in the other direction. So that's all to say that we're living in a mindset, um, really all around the world. Uh, people like to say it's a Western thing or refer to it in those terms, but it's, it's really not. And there's, mm-hmm. there's this, I mean, maybe it started and then colonization happened and we exported that, but there's. Um, this whole idea of what can I get out of something? And I see that reflected in religion a lot. And I'm, I'm not Catholic and I'm not talking about the Catholic church. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking in general. Um, what's in it for me? Um, I'm saved. And that's enough. Not mm-hmm. I'm saved and what did Jesus call me to do mm-hmm. about that?
1: <laughs> with right, that. yeah. I that's agree true. with that. It's interesting issues. Mm-hmm. Um what do you guys think that we should do about like climate change and environmental issues? Do you think it should be like the churches or like religion's responsibility to do things? Should it be a government? Should people take action on their own? What do you guys think?
2: It's gotta be all of those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts about this. So I'm, cut me off. Yeah, go ahead. Like, well, I mean, <laughs> no, take there are it. a few, th- and I'll, I'll probably lose my train of thought here at some point, but a, a few things. I mean, I, I'm, I've been ruminating a lot on Dorothy Day. We just read some Dorothy mm-hmm. Day in my um, intro course, and she's so skeptical of the ability of the state to ever do the right thing, right? Yeah. She's a basically an anarchist in a, not in the way we often think, but she does not think the state should be the ones in charge. And mm-hmm. so often today, progressive people, people who care about the environment, outsource the things that they think need to happen to the government. Mm-hmm. We just need the right policies. We need cap and trade. We need, we need uh, all of, we need to let the government have the right policies to fix the problems. And the government can certainly do mm-hmm. that and play a role, but it's just um, the government is, is the part of the source of the problem and so to think that they're going to be the source of the solution to me is just naive.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, it's they probably have to be part of a solution, but I just the idea that that's where it's going to start mm-hmm. to me is, and I so that's one thing. And I I think the other thing I think is that part of what my book is about that I I do truly believe, although I don't like it, is that we. If we really are going to live in a different world, we have we really need a different world. Mm-hmm. And I think so many people approach our environmental crisis by thinking we can find a technological solution. We just got to tweak this here. We got to make the right decision here. No, right? We're on a track that is headed in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And we need to blow up the train and build a new track and a new, <laughs> new train. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, it's not tweakable to get us to where we to where we want to go. Mm. And so this is where I tried to draw in the inside of the book of revelation. it it, it basically saying, if the world is evil, we need a new world. Mm. And so it actually I think has this really incredible environmental challenge to us to think about the ways in which um, we need to really exercise all of our imaginations to um, I think I used the phrase we need to be. Environment, virtuoso environmentalists, because we we can't just tweak to get to where we need to go. And we do all of these little things. Oh, I'm going to buy a hybrid car. I'm going to recycle. I'm going to do this, that, or the other. None of that makes any difference, right? The issue is not what kind of car you drive. The issue is why do you have to drive a car, mm-hmm. right? Really getting at the root of the problem. And so um, pointing these things out to people does not make them happy, yeah. nor, nor yeah. me, what we really need is a dismantling of Western society. Mm. All of society, human society, right? And then us, the last thing, sorry. But then all of the things, these things also stem from deep issues within the human heart.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Those, those social structures get built up because we're humans and we're sinful. And so this is why I think theology and the church— absolutely has to be part of any solution, you know, and it doesn't mean, well, I don't mean to cut anybody out of it by saying that, right? I'm thinking of my dear colleagues in our biology department, <laughs> um, but it is a human problem, and if theology and the church has something to say about mm-hmm. conversion, um, about that inner landscape, and so... um that to me, has to be has to be part of any any solution as well,
1: no, yeah I agree with that. I think that we really need to like restructure how we think about things because obviously we can make the right choice, like drive an electric car, but I agree like it's better if we could just walk everywhere, but it's it's not designed like that right. now, so we really need to be thinking big picture and the root of the problem instead of just like these small changes because that's not going to get us there in time.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. And to go along with what Mike is saying, the easy thing is just to look for a hero to take care of it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what a lot of people place on governmental institutions. And I don't trust governmental (laughs) institutions because I look at politicians and see the sorts of things that they do. But that definitely has to be a part of it, though, right? We need orchestration and all of that sort of stuff. But I, I think... Like what Micah was talking about there, it makes me think of um, the the Greek word metanoia, which is often translated as conversion. Mm. And Elsa Tamez, a Latin biblical scholar, she, a Latina biblical scholar, she, um, she talks about this a lot in relationship to oppression and how... There's a need for a conversion in the sense of the biblical sense, which isn't just, okay, now I believe in Jesus. It's, it's a real marrow deep event that changes your entire outlook on the world. And because of that transformative moment, you can no longer see the world in the same way, nor engage it in the same way. And it compels you to do something about, in this case, the suffering around you, be that human or environmental or, or the mixture. Um, so I, yeah, Bonhoeffer, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was an anti-fascist German theologian and, and, and minister, uh, said that if you're on the wrong train, it does no good to run up the aisle in the other direction. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And we're...
2: But really? That's a Bonhoeffer? Yeah, it's a Bonhoeffer. I if I somehow stole that metaphor from him. Oh, <laughs> I don't know why. Okay, interesting. He was into
3: grace, so I'm sure I you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: yeah, good
3: to know. But, um, but I mean, yeah, we're we're absolutely on the wrong train right now, and and nobody wants to get off because the train feels pretty good if you're benefiting from it, right?
1: Yeah.
3: Um, and and we delude ourselves into thinking that everyone can get a piece of the pie, but it, it's it's burning us all right now.
1: Mm-hmm. Is there? A first thing that we should do or yeah
3: yeah I mean first is I mean it's gonna sound cliche but the but the first is the self Mm -hmm. um, looking inward and Mm -hmm. and it gets back to that whole idea of conversion of of seeing within oneself what are the things that I'm not doing what are the things that I'm doing what what do I see in my community that needs to be done those sorts of things and then building up from there. But I don't, uh, again, if we're looking to others for the answers mm-hmm. uh, entirely and not asking, how can I be part of the answer? Mm-hmm. then I think that's the first thing that needs to get done. And I, I just want to take on too that, yeah, church has such an important role to play within all this. And do you mind if I take it in just slightly? Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, within that, uh I'm spending a lot of time right now researching this um, biblical ethos um, Mm -hmm. that I shortened by calling the ethos of the common good, but the longer version is community responsibility for the well-being of the individual, and so like the Bible, uh, and while I'm talking more about in the Hebrew scriptures, written over a period of about a thousand years, so you've got a lot of different cultures, theologies, points of view, arguments going on in there between these, but this ethos keeps popping up time and again that's asking how are the least the most vulnerable in your society doing and Mm -hmm. and that's the standard like when we look at the health of our economics we tend to to look to the how's the fortune 500 Mm -hmm. uh, doing how how are the stock indexes doing not what's the child hunger rate Mm -hmm. which is where in my humble opinion we should be putting the barometer for the health of our economy and if we applied that sort of ethos, it doesn't only have to be to economics, to how are the most vulnerable in our population dealing with heat? How are they dealing with flooding, like all these different things? Who's it going to affect most? Because if you focus, if you focus there, it helps take you outside of yourself. And throughout Torah, the, the first five books of the Bible, you get this recurring theme of the neighbor, which is such an important, balance to our selfish impulses mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that I'm not only looking what's in this for me what what do I get out of this but how's this affecting that person over there mm-hmm. and so those sorts of mentalities that the church can really help to promote I think can go a long way into dealing with the sorts of environmental challenges we're mm-hmm. facing
1: yeah
2: mm-hmm. I would I I would add um, I mean how do you start yeah mm-hmm. with the self you could even Take it more fundamental with prayer, meditation, some kind of working on that interior landscape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Tell tell me, tell me. I, I'm curious how the two of you react mm-hmm. to this because it might sound uh, condemnatory, but I don't mean it to. But to me, um, it the same thing the church teaches about the poor. You meet Christ in the face of the poor, right? Mm-hmm. The same is also true in the church's theology. With the natural world,
0: mm-hmm.
2: we experience and can meet God through the natural world. And the one of the big barriers today is just that. How often do people actually have any kind of extended experience with the natural world? And what are the barriers to um, to doing that? Right. And mm-hmm. to me, one of the big ones is screens. Yeah. How do you mm-hmm. How do you get rid of that mm-hmm. so you can actually see and experience the world that is around us and um to me that would be the place to start and you don't really know where it's going to go from there mm-hmm. right but then at least you've cultivated space for god to break into your life um through the natural world and mm-hmm. and have some kind of insight there so
1: yeah i agree i think people don't go outside enough um uh yeah, I just well I think kind of what we I think we talked about it a little bit in a past episode. Um I think it was the one we were talking about, like, um disabilities and things, how like making a path in in nature like kind of was like people didn't want to do it because it was, like, destructive to the environment. But then if they did, it would give people access to the environment. And I think that giving more people access to the environment and letting them be out in nature would be more beneficial than a little bit of environmental harm because the path was wider. So I kind of think that relates to that, that we need to get people outside and make it accessible for people to go outside. And I don't know if you can... I mean, you can look at nature through your phone, right? But, like... It's not the same. Can you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is nature, though? Father Bob would be proud. He would, yeah. <laughs> what is nature? Um, I, don't, but yeah. I like
0: that you brought up the phones, because I even find that if you don't have your phone on you, you're still thinking about, like, who's texting you, like, mm-hmm. why, like, I want to have it on me. So I want to go places without my phone, but at the same time, I'm still thinking about it. So I don't know where the answer is for that.
3: I- this is pre-phone, but I remember when I was in my first grad program in Boulder. It was this really hippie university. And um, there was uh, this this guy who would come by where we'd have lunch every day and say, hey, what time is it? What time is it? Yeah. So we'd tell him what time it was. And one of my friends finally said, hey, man, like... You can get right. a cheap watch. Why don't you just get a watch? And he says, oh, I don't want to be tied to my watch. And then he said, my friend said, well, you're pretty tied to us. <laughs> you know, like, we always, it's so hard just to let go of mm-hmm. all the distraction and, and be where we're at. And, and with being outside, another really important part of that to this whole conversation and getting away from screens is to be in community, right? Because mm-hmm. like if I'm in my house, I'm not in community. If I'm mm-hmm. sitting in a coffee shop looking at my phone, I'm among community but i'm not in community and i think that's a great way to cultivate concern for others is to actually engage with others yeah and that mm-hmm. includes others who are outside of our paradigms right, right. the importance of of being in uncomfortable situations mm-hmm. where we don't see eye to eye on something but with our screens we can so easily compartmental ourselves into yeah. our echo chambers
0: yeah yeah, i agree i i so I'm obviously liberal and I have liberal friends, but like I'll have a theology class and someone will have such a different viewpoint from me. And I'm just like, I forget that everyone thinks differently
1: than me. Cause I'm just in the echo chambers. It's easy to do. Eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that's why I think sometimes social media can be mm-hmm. helpful for pushing like environmental issues, but also not because the people that follow me, like generally agree with me Mm -hmm. and if they don't they just like unfollow me so like am i really doing anything but like pushing stuff on social media is like is that helpful at all Mm -hmm. i don't know it's like a hard thing i'm
2: gonna gonna say no and the the reason the other reason is because anybody who is exposed to your i'm sure brilliant well-crafted ideas um are only going to be shown them people who disagree they're only going to be shown them to stoke outrage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All of the algorithms are built on engagement.
0: Yeah. And mm-hmm. what
2: engages people more than anything is outrage and anger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so they're going to pop it up into your cousin's feed every now and then just mm-hmm. to like push that button and then it so anyway, I'm I have no I'm very skeptical of the ability of that whole realm. I know there are good things that can come out of mm-hmm. it. Um, but is it a net positive? Um, it, in my book, absolutely no way.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess another question, kind of like related back to what we we're talking about earlier, is what like is your favorite place or favorite way to experience nature, and like where do you feel like most spiritual in nature? Mm. And Laura, you can answer too. <laughs> or where you feel most connected to nature. trying to think i have an answer i can say well (laughs) (laughs) father bud always asks us i know i i really like where um i'm somewhere where i can see like the whole sky so it looks like i'm in a globe and it just reminds me that like the world is round (laughs) (laughs) and like because like in not that there's a lot of like tall buildings in davenport but you can never really like see all the way around you so i like being on like a top of a hill where i can see everything and there's nothing like in the way that's what i really like and that's where i feel like yeah it makes me feel small but like in a good way and like that i'm part of something bigger Mm. and less like self-absorbed
0: yeah
2: yeah i've well go ahead laura
1: i don't have a specific place but i just like
0: places away from like the roads and like the noise pollution and where i can like really focus in upon like the trees moving in the wind and the birds and like just focusing on the sounds and everything alive
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah I, mean, I have a long list but it, the <laughs> we spend a lot of time in northern minnesota mm-hmm. so uh, there's there's a lake we go to up there in camp okay. uh we spend a week every year on on lake superior mm-hmm. and so lake superior is kind of like being in the ocean i mean there's oh, yeah. something about the ocean just mm-hmm. sort of the you just feel this like the pull of the origins of humanity, you know, it's just, it really kind of connects you Mm -hmm. with something that is very powerful. So there's, there's always something about the ocean that really does that. And also (laughs) we're bereft of it here in Iowa. So, um, I've tried to, to take those kinds of things and import them more into my daily life. So when I, when I first moved to the Quad Cities, I was very condescending, um, towards the environment here i think mm-hmm. in, in particular the mississippi
1: oh <laughs> and
2: and i've tried to embrace the river i, mm-hmm. I bought an old fishing boat named artemis oh. um, <laughs> and, starting the
0: Colts. <laughs> yeah. um
2: right now there's one member my family aren't even members <laughs> um, the uh, the just trying to so i spend time on the river you know, and it's hard. There's barges going by. There's, mm-hmm. there's highway bridges over the top. The river's structure has been completely transformed through human action. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The dams, the wing dams, all, you know, all of it, the, the locks. But it is still like just this, inc- I mean, it's one of the great rivers on the planet Yeah, Mississippi, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The breadth and the power and the, um, it's, it's amazing, um, and then if you if you get out there and you start paying attention, there is just, there are so many life forms you would never maybe have noticed if you were just driving by, you mm-hmm. know. And so I've tried to take those experiences that y- you shouldn't have to drive two days to get to some special nature spot mm-hmm. to get this experience. It's easier, of course, when you're on the shores of Lake Superior the yeah. <laughs> stars <laughs> okay. are out, you know, that's... But I, I've I've tried and mostly have failed. But I've tried to try to integrate that more into my regular routine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, the times that it's worked, it's been it's been really amazing.
1: Yeah.
3: There's, I guess there's yeah there's so many places. Like I think of so many locations, and I've I've traveled around the world a lot. Mm-hmm. And so there's like a lot of neat exotic places. But. The mountains are where I really feel it. I'm, I'm a Plains boy. I grew up in Fargo-Moorhead area. Um, so also the sky, if I can be looking at the sky. Like I, I tell my students to watch for me doing this because I, I do it almost daily when I'm walking if it's a blue sky. Mm-hmm. And oh in the mountains with the stars, mm-hmm. if those are up there. So in in the ancient Hebrew world, they believed the sky was blue because there was an ocean up there. Um, oh. On the second day, uh, God separates the waters from the waters, the dome above and below. And so I just love tripping out on the sky <laughs> and like pretending that it's an ocean up there. And then when you see the stars at night, especially if you can see the Milky Way, like if you're in a really nice dark place with no light pollution, they imagine those stars as just you know being a few thousand feet away. Um, not as as far as we now understand them to be. So that I really enjoy. But my favorite sound of all sounds is a mountain stream. Mm-hmm. I can just sit next to a mountain stream feel my feet on the moss and just I am home. Yeah. So yeah, the mountains are a really big place for me.
0: Yeah, that's, that's awesome. awesome. That's fun. I guess to end because I have to leave soon. Laura but. has to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you guys think there's hope for like the structural change you've been talking about or like no, like what do you think the outlook is?
3: We might all be dead, but yes, the earth will go on.
2: <laughs> it's actually not I mean, it's a funny line, but it's mm-hmm. actually a good point, right? Mm-hmm. Part one of the core problems is we frame the whole debate around humans, mm-hmm. right? right? And yes, we're made in the image of God and that's special and that's important. Mm-hmm. But also why? What does it matter if we're, we're still here or not? I that's I true. guess I just said that into the recording, so I mean, <laughs> yes it matters in a certain way, but in a in a in another way it doesn't mm-hmm. um, So this anthropocentric problem is is uh, yeah, the earth is going to go on until the sun burns it up in in a couple million or billion years I don't know how yeah. many, but um, we're not going to be here forever. so part of it is maybe just would it help to just acknowledge that right off mm. the bat at some point humans aren't going to be here. That's true. And, um, boy, that'll stretch your understanding of God, right? Yeah. If you start contemplating that and think about that. And what does God think about that? And, I don't know, maybe we'll have moved off to another solar system by the way. <laughs> <hopefully>. <laughs>
0: That's yeah. true.
2: But I doubt it. I doubt it. Um, so...
3: Yeah, like if you look at those timelines and then how long humans have been here, and I often see that used in the context of how silly it is mm-hmm. to believe in a god. Because why would there be all this creation only humans here? And I think it's actually that perspective is doing the opposite. It's giving much too great, as, as Micah is saying, credence mm-hmm. to the existence of humans and much too small of a view of what God is and what mm-hmm. that means. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's sincerely part of how I feel. But to try to end on a slightly lighter note. Um, <laughs>
2: no, we're going to end on something negative. <laughs> yeah, I'll bring let's it back, do it. I'll bring it back to the... <laughs> no. You go positive, I'll go negative. Okay, okay, we'll good. Be very on brand. <laughs>
3: excellent, excellent.
2: So humans
3: have done amazing things. And, you know... The way it's always been means about, you know, in the lifetime of my great-grandparents. Oh, but we've always sung that hymn. No, actually, that hymn was written in 1890. We've always had this tradition within the church. No, that tradition. So it's really easy to be seen from where we are now. I sincerely hope that it's something positive that shakes us up Mm -hmm. and gets us to do something. I'm guessing it's going to be something absolutely cataclysmic. Uh, but I think we will be shaken, and all systems fall. The systems that Mike is talking about that that are broken and harming everything they're not going to live forever. The Romans probably thought the empire was going to live forever been a couple thousand years now, right? Mm-hmm. since it went down. Mm-hmm. So like all this will pass, and hopefully out of the ashes, our descendants will be wiser than us
2: <laughs> But first you, get, first you gotta get first you got to get through the ashes. <laughs> I don't want to live through the ashes. It doesn't matter what we want. Uh, yeah. <laughs> actually, I, I I agree. And this is maybe a, a weird way to say this, but there there was this moment very early in COVID where it felt, and it didn't take too long for some jerks to burst this bubble, but it felt like we were all in it together. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the the collective action yeah. that we engaged in, and it was really, was it a month, if that, six weeks, where Everybody stayed home, and we all did what we could, and it was terrifying. But there was some – some. I just have this image of when there was like a time of day when everybody in New York and cities around the world would come out and just clap yeah. on the mm-hmm. balconies. Um, the kind of just closeness and you felt with other people because mm-hmm. we were all trying to do the same thing together – gave me some hope that, yes, that we are capable of collective action and making drastic changes uh, because of a crisis. But, you know, like I said, that lasted yeah. for a very short amount of time. And if anything, then only made things worse. So, I mean, that collective action didn't, but mm-hmm. it was exploited by people to, to divide us. So I don't know if that's positive or negative, but I do, like you said, I, I do think um, – if if we if we're not hopeful, um, we're not people of faith. So, mm. Mm.
1: yes, that's like a good point. That. I like that. Yeah. Thank you guys How for being here, here thank today. You. It was thank fun. you for
0: having us. This yeah. was fun. I think
3: uh,
1: the two guests worked well. Yeah, it did. You guys
0: bounce off each other really well. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Anyways. It's
3: not our first rodeo.
1: Uh-huh. No. Yeah.
0: Disclaimer. So this podcast was recorded at the studios of K-A-L-A-F-M St. Ambrose University. Opinions expressed are not necessarily those of KALA Radio or St. Ambrose
2: University.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Why are you crossing your fingers?
2: <laughs> nor of the Catholic Church, nor of the theology department, nor of, what else could we add to this? Us. List? Nor
1: of, <laughs> we're not responsible us. for our own opinions. I may change
2: no. my mind tomorrow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stay tuned.
1: Stay tuned. Well, we have a little catchphrase, yes. say. Yes,
0: we say go green and go bees altogether. all together at the right. end. Okay. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not so sure know. about that. <laughs>
3: is this part of the Artemis cult? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. yeah uh, this uh, is we'll a start.
1: start. <laughs> okay. Three, two, one. Go, go green and go bees. bees. Bye. Bye.